Previously, at the Northwest Footwear Database, during building work on the perimeter fences, a red hatch was discovered. You and a team of brave explorers planned to venture within. never stayed this late at the facility before. There's a trickiness to the twilight. It's as though the setting sun shuns you as you ready yourself to face the horrors underground. Yes, there's no question about it. You'll be climbing through that hatch very shortly. Part of you hoped it would vanish, like the trapdoor, the grill, the door before it. But the red is still there waiting. You've been following developments all afternoon. A squad of ocular assessors try to visualise the subterranean depths, but they struggle outdoors. The fresh air makes them foam at the mouth, and the uneven terrain exacerbates their weak angles. At the very least, they've been able to deduce that there's flowing water beneath your feet. They suspect the hatch leads to an underground river. As you wait at the floodlit site, a jeep pulls up. Security swarm over to the vehicle, but when the driver flashes their pass, they quickly fall back. A figure gets out the car. You're immediately disconcerted. This is Mr. White. Mr. White is your boss, the auditor of auditors who normally never leaves the headquarters of GBAC, Great Britain's Audit Central. He has a square face and he is always pouting. You instinctively dislike the man, though he's always generous at after-work drinks. Here he stands. He has the gosh darn cheek to wear brand new shoes on sight. Why is he here? Mr. White flashes you his well-photographed grin. He beckons you over with his little finger. You hate it when he does that. He asks you what's going on. You give him a brief update about the current situation. You do not articulate your full relationship with the Red. Even trying to describe it makes your stomach churn. Mr. White hands you a file. There is an assessment inside. It concerns the Northwest Footwear Database. The report talks of a secret source of great power underneath the facility. GBAC's psychonomic reporters were unable to discover its origins off-site, hence you, as an auditor, were assigned. Following this recent discovery of the hatch, it's time for you to know your true purpose here. You're to find the source of the power and report back to Mr. White. You thought you were being sly with your search for Benjamin Clandestine, but it seems your boss had his own hidden agenda as well. You leave Mr. White looking at his own reflection in his wing mirror. You do not know what to make of your new role. You've made some friends at the NWFD, but your loyalties lie with GBAC. You need to learn this facility's secret, even if the truth might terrify you. 
It's time to assemble the team. The news of underground water led Gareth to retrieve a deflated dinghy from storage. When he was a child, Gareth escaped from a sinking ship. It was this very inflatable vessel that saved his life. Perhaps it will save his life again. Gareth is on the team. Bex has been frantically baking all afternoon. She bakes when she's nervous. It's her coping mechanism as a sleeper agent. Since you're the only one who knows her secret, you're the only one who doubts that Bex will come on such a risky mission. And she's prepared a Victoria sponge to eat on her return. Bex is on the team. Jamil has his hair in pigtails. Gwen, the receptionist, has given him a lucky charm necklace made of shoelaces. Jamil believes it's his duty to liaise with the police and investigate any criminal activity that might be taking place underneath the hatch. Jamil is on the team. You join these three, together with Sawyer and Francine, to complete the expedition. Francine wanted more security personnel on the mission, but the dinghy isn't big enough. Sawyer's clutching a small black leather book. It looks like it's from the director's office. When you try to get a better look at it, she spots you and slips it into her rucksack. Even after all you've been through, she still doesn't fully trust you. You can't blame her. She's been glaring at Mr. White ever since he got here. Mr. White gives you a wave. You meekly wave back. Time to change into your NWFD jumpsuits. You pull it over your work clothes. Instead of shoes, you'll be wearing action socks. These are a little like slipper socks, but for adventurers. You're each handed a bum bag to contain your flares and medical supplies. Dr. Travers is here. They're giving you injections. This concoction should inoculate you from some of the effects of the red. You feel the medication working. It goes some way to soothing your nerves. Harnesses on. One by one, you climb into the pit. You descend the rope. It's a dizzying sensation, like the opposite of pulling up socks if you were the sock. You land on the earth. It's squishy beneath your feet and seems to be vibrating softly. Your mission has barely started and already you feel like you're on shaky ground. You gather around the red hatch. You try not to look at it. Even with your medication, it's hard to focus on it. Francine elects to open it. She grips the wheel and spins it. It opens too easily. It wants to be opened. Like a hungry beast, the hatch yawns open. You all nervously peer down into the darkness. You hear the sound of running water. Jamil throws down a rope ladder. Zoya climbs first. It's a few minutes before she calls back up. It's safe, she shouts. You all know this is a premature assessment. But down you go. It's incredibly dark down here. With a brief fumble, you switch on your headlamp. This 
is a gloomy cavern, with vicious-looking stalactites and stalagmites coming together like teeth in the far distance. Below you, you spy a dry plateau. This is where Zoya stands. She's staring across the water with a worried look on her face. This isn't an underground river. This is an underground ocean with tides that have never seen the light of day. The team gathers around their leader. Gareth throws his folded dinghy into the water. It inflates on impact and resembles a large orange flip-flop with a steering wheel and motor. You clamber inside the craft. Beck seems comfortable on the ship. You know she illegally swam to England over a great deal of open water. Jamil looks less comfortable. The sniffer dogs he trained never liked rivers and streams, they obscure trails and scents. Gareth takes the wheel and Francine sits at the rear. Her gun is out. She's ready to handle anything that pounces from the darkness. As you sail across the water, Zoya briefs her team. She's about to impart classified information about the NWFD. You lean forward, trying not to seem too interested. Zoya gives you all a history lesson. Back in 1899, the Northwest Footwear database was set up by Prudence Peel, the Victorian entrepreneur. But she chose this site for a very specific reason. In Roman Britain, there was a temple in this spot. It was in honour of the forgotten deity called Dactyl. The cult of Dactyl would rhythmically stamp their feet in prayer, but one time they stamped too hard and kicked a hole in the universe. You're not entirely sure if Zoya means this metaphorically. Zoya tells her team that she'll be able to navigate through the Roman runes and holds up her leather volume. It must contain a map. You need to get a look at this little black book. At the first sign of shore, Gareth pulls into a dusty grey beach. He's going to remain on the boat and prepare it for a quick getaway. The rest of you follow Zoya. There's a large cave up ahead. You silently wander through and find yourselves in a giant cavern. There are faded tiles on the walls here. This large room might have been a bathhouse of some description. Perhaps Roman feet were cleaned here. There's a pile of crates in the centre of the room. Jamil is the first to look inside them. There are boxes and boxes of blood-stained flip-flops here. But wait. This isn't blood. Is this some sort of resin? The colour drains from your face and you turn to Zoya. Nobody touch anything. You're starting to understand what's going on. You shine your headlamp towards the ceiling. There are pipes up there, encrusted in the same red resin. It's the sap from the footwear forest. It's piped away from the trees, but it's clearly been leaking. Is the resin the red? Would that make sense? Zoya isn't sure. The sap is known to have deadly melancholic properties, true, but it doesn't explain its power. It's almost as though somebody has weaponized it, 
Perhaps the resin has merged with something else. Something else down here. Something murky. Something strange. You all heard that laugh. Yes, something else is down here. Francine gestures for everyone to be silent. She signals to switch off your headlamp and to quietly follow her. She spotted a passage out of here. You tiptoe slowly, silently, aware that any badly placed footstep might echo through and alert the giggling creature. In any other context, you'd have been fascinated by these Roman runes, but now you're acutely aware of the horror that might lurk around any corner. You're not in total darkness. There's a faint phosphorescence coming from the tiles, but that only adds to the eerie aura in the air. There's a hall up ahead, but Francine darts off to the right. She leads you up some steps and behind some columns. There's something through there, you can hear it gurgling and slurping. Francine has seen what it is. It takes a lot to perturb this hardened security guard, but she's perturbed all right. Bex and Jamil refuse to look. Only you and Zoya have the courage to peek. You edge towards the balcony and stare at an abomination. Surrounded by a red mist, is a giant, unearthly creature. Its top half looks vaguely human, eyeless, colorless, with long arms that wield claws. Its bottom half resembles a giant, fleshy, cherry-red boot. It's a monstrosity. You're sick in your mouth. You swallow it down. You're sick again when you hear the creature giggle once more. It's lathering itself in the red sap that drips from the ceiling. It's horrific, but hypnotic. You want to get closer. You want to touch its leathery skin. You want to be crushed by its giant heel. Zoya pulls you back from the edge. Snap out of it. She seems to know what this freak show is. She flicks through the pages of her secret book. You look over her shoulder, desperately trying to focus on something else. The text seems to be written in binary. Is it a manual? Is it a diary? Zoya lands on the page she's looking for. It's full of incomprehensible symbols and diagrams, but she slams down her finger triumphantly. Here's the information she was after. She sneaks back to the team and tells them what you're facing. It's a vampiric shoe slug, slithered in from the shoe dimension. You want to ask what the shoe dimension is, but Zoya clearly isn't taking questions. She briefs you about the creature's habits, how it preys on the sad, how it tempts them to the shoe dimension with song, but devours them instead. It normally keeps a larder of its victims nearby. It likes to feast on flesh, and it likes to keep it fresh. She's no idea how it's using the resin, but she suspects it's simply making its powers stronger. They're never normally this size. You'll split into two teams. You will accompany Francine and Jamil. They'll look for the larder. Zoya and Bex will go and do something else. She won't say what. This frustrates you. You're meant to be a team. You're meant to be working together. But Zoya won't let on. 
She's second in command of the NWFD. She still has to maintain some mysteries. As Zoya and Beck scuttle off, you turn to your teammates. Jamil has started chewing nervously on his Lucky Charm necklace, but you compliment him on his long hair and that seems to calm him down. Time to find this creature's larder. You're grateful to be leaving this den of disgust and despair. Back in the temple corridors, the red mist seems to be drifting in a certain direction. The three of you agree to follow it to its source. You cling to the walls, trying to resist as much of the obnoxious gas as possible. It's spewing from a cave up ahead. You hold your breath and walk inside. Rows and rows of bodies line this cave. Their bottom halves are encrusted in red resin, which holds them upright in the earth and obscures their feet. You recognize some of the faces from the NWFD staff list. These are some of the missing people. You see a half-nibbled corpse of a man in a beret and apron. You think you know that decayed face from the artist's biography in the reception. This is the famous sculptor Hubert Duval. He famously preferred hats to shoes, so perhaps he had this coming. There's another rotting carcass wearing a police liaison badge. This is likely Jamil's predecessor. You hope he is liaising in peace. Not all the bodies are dead. Some of them have escaped being fully eaten or drained or whatever the hell that slug is doing to them. Your heart skips a beat when you spot a short round man unconscious but wheezing in his red prison. It's Tony. Tony, the wonderful tour guide. How could you have forgotten Tony, the lovely man with his puns and his patter? You look around the room, all the people overlooked, all the people lost to the red. If you'd spoken to Tony before, let him know he wasn't alone. You were so wrapped up in looking for Benjamin Clandestine, you weren't considering who else was here, who else was lost. Francine stifles a cry. She spotted someone very special. It's Kitty, her wife, sealed behind the crystallized red. Kitty's still alive as well. About six or seven of them are. You need to get them free. Jamil snaps into action. He once rescued 17 dogs from an incident at a glue factory in Bolton. He knows what to do. Grabbing a nearby piece of tile, Jamil begins to chisel away at the resin. It starts to break away. Slowly but surely, Jamil starts freeing the survivors. Francine joins him in the chiseling. There's something else you can do. All these people were victims to the red. They must be highly susceptible to its pain. You run around, administering the medication that Dr. Travers put in your bum bag. You inject Tony and Kitty and all of the others. It's not a cure, but it will help. You've checked all the bodies now. You thought Benjamin might be amongst them. But he's not. Secretly, you're grateful about that. The survivors are free. 
None of them are properly awake. They're groggy, confused, still shaken by their experiences. They need to get to the surface and fast. Jamil and Francine will carry them all back to the dinghy. Meanwhile, you'll go and find Zoya and Bex and inform them about the rescue plan. You run off on your own through the dim corridors of the underground temple. Your action socks are certainly seeing a lot of action today. The adrenaline zips through you like a stubbed toe. If you stopped to think what was actually happening, you might scream. This is not what you had in mind when you agreed to this audit. You're not sure if you can continue in this workplace much longer. You stumble into a glowing chamber. You realise you've been running around on autopilot, but something has drawn you here. Oh my goodness, that's quite a sight. In the far wall, the height of twenty shoeboxes, is a shimmering gateway. Its doors bulge slightly and won't fully close. Through the crack between them you see swirls of colour, red and blue and green. Even this tiny glimpse of otherness sends your mind reeling. There are two figures near the gateway. It's Zoya and Bex. They're standing by a vast array of computer terminals. Bex is busy punching buttons in one of the keyboards. Zoya has spotted you. She didn't want you to see any of this, that's clear enough. You explain to her you've managed to save some of the shoe slugs' victims. Now you demand some answers. What is this place? What is that gateway? This is the gateway to the shoe dimension. The Romans created it, and Prudence Peel discovered it. It is the NWFD's sacred duty to guard this gateway, but clearly it's been breached, and this is how the shoe slug escaped from it. So this then is the source of power that Mr. White was talking about, a rift to another reality. You can't possibly comprehend its potential. You have so many questions for Zoya, but she's no longer looking at you. She's looking behind you. Oh no, oh no, 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 no. You turn around, slowly. You face the red. The shoe slug looms into view, blocking your escape, grinning with its awful teeth. Red lights flit around its head. It is at one with the resin and you fill with dread. The giant beast begins to sing. Don't make this any harder. You try to take away my ladder. But I can't walk out to and free. You'll do for me and get it. You can't move. It's here. This is it. Game over. No. Beck stands between you and the monster. She tells the creature it's no better than a parasite. 
It made its way into the foundation of the footwear database like an infection. But Bex is the only foreign agent who's allowed in here. She dives at the creature, flailing at it wildly, using combat moves her master's taught her. But the shoe slug simply swipes at her with its talons. With a horrifying squelch, Bex falls to the floor. You don't need Dr. Travers here to tell you Bex's condition. She's dead. She died to save you. Bex's heroic diversion has bored you some time. You leap onto a nearby computer terminal. Its reels spin wildly as you make your request. It's working. I am in beta mode. You've accessed Bex's program. Input shoe. No, no time for that now. The slug's getting closer. You tell the computer, Bex is dead. You need its help to avenge its creator. There's a pause. You imagine the computer is mourning. After a few microseconds of grief, the computer speaks. Input instructions. Your plan comes to you in an instant. Find the Foxsmith video. You fish around your pockets and pull out an insole. You type in the video's pin and shout to Zoya to cover her eyes. All the screens in the chamber flicker to life. You hear the sounds of the video swoosh around you. The creature's not laughing anymore. It's screaming. You peek through your fingers and watch the monster start to dissolve into red pixels. The light, the glow, the red, all start to swim back through the crack in the gateway. Silence. The shoe slug has gone. You feel a weight lift as the red disappears. It's like your soul just put its feet up. The sap still remains. You see it on the floor and crusted around the runes, but its terrible sentience has vanished. Zoya's still busy trying to shut the gateway. With one final lever, the gates shudder and start to reseal. But that's when you spot it. The pile of yellow wellies. The woodsmiths were here. Did Benjamin Clandestine and his colleagues journey into the shoe dimension? You should follow them to find out. There will clearly be dangers. Giant shoe slugs might be the very least of the beasts in that strange, foot-focused universe, but you have to try. For Benjamin, you're about to leap through. Zoya holds you back. She shakes her head. The shoe dimension must be sealed off without you. The gates clunk. You're incredibly annoyed that Zoya has kept you here, but she explains her reasons. Zoya tells you about her private hunt for the legendary printless shoe. It's a piece of footwear that allows one to walk anywhere without leaving a mark. There's every indication that it's been hidden somewhere in the shoe dimension, so she too felt the urge to jump through that gate. But Zoya has a duty to the Northwest Footwear Database. And, even if you don't fully appreciate it yet, so do you. Midnight. You're back outside. As you resurfaced from that strange darkness, you noticed the hatch in the ground was no longer red. The last of the survivors are being taken to the medical wing. You give a little wave to Tony, 
as Dr. Travers wheels him away. Gareth sits on a nearby mound of grass, proudly patting his deflated dinghy. He did a number of trips back and forth across the underground ocean. The sea was good to him again. Zoya's making notes in her little black book. In the dim glow of the footlights, you steal a look at the gold text engraved on its front. The A to Z of the NWFD. You remember the madam's comment about the alphabet. That's something to investigate later. Zoya has informed the staff about Bex's sacrifice. Those that remain out here pass around her Victoria sponge, taking mouthfuls in remembrance. She might have secretly been in the grip of another government, but she's out of their grasp now. You take your own bite of the cake, and a tear runs down your cheek. It's Bex's best bake yet. There's nothing more to be said. You'll follow up with the team later. All you want to do now is go home and go to bed. You walk back to the car park. You've decided to stop looking for Benjamin Clandestine. He has gone to another world entirely. You'll likely never see him again. Mr. White stands by your car. He's badgering you with questions. What did you discover? What was down there? You've made your decision. You think of the brave actions of the NWFD staff. Your decision is to lie. You tell Mr. White you discovered nothing of interest. Some missing people were lost in the caves below, but that was all. Mr. White obviously doesn't believe you. He's extremely angry with you. He even pouts when he's frowning. He tells you in no uncertain terms that your audit is over. You'll be visiting the Northwest Footwear database no more. With that, he storms off to his car. He doesn't even check his reflection in your window. Is this it then? Is it over? You climb into your car and grip your steering wheel with frustration. There are so many unanswered questions. And now it's starting to rain. It's Zoya. You roll down your window. She's seemingly back in work mode and she only wants a brief chat. Obviously there will have to be an inquiry about this incident. She asks if you would like to head it up. Your audit may be over, but your inquiry could be only just beginning. Don't make a decision now. Zoya suggests you think it over. In the meantime, you should attend an NWFD social event. She hands you a flyer for it and walks away. It's time to leave the facility. Perhaps not for the last time after all. You look at the flyer. There's going to be a party at the Northwest Footwear Database. A party for Halloween.
This has been the first season of the Northwest Footwear Database, The Red Chapter. If you've enjoyed these visits, please let the creator know. And listen out for more adventures soon.